You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. How has God designed your life to be a gift? In fact, what gifts has God given to you so that you could give them to the world? I think it's so important to recognize the gifts that are in our life, that life is a gift and that life isn't just about me. When I give um, who I am, when I give the gifts that God has given me in my life, my, my talents, my, um, my experiences, um, just aspects of who I am, uh, when I give those, there's more, so much more joy. But I've noticed that sometimes when we're living a life where we're not connected to the gift God has given us or the, the life that God has given us, um, our gifts can lie dormant, unused. Or we can just be so tired that we, we don't feel like we have the energy to use our gifts or like, I'm not that gifted. We don't even believe we have gifts. And so we don't share them with the world. To look at this question about the gift of your life and the gifts that God has given you in your life, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. This is written by Pastor Paul. And he, before getting to the gifts, really wants to remind us of the giver and who we are. When we understand who we are, what we were designed for, that's when like the gifts of God, the love of God can really flow through us in healthy ways. So starting off in Romans 12, um, verse 1, Paul writes this, So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. That term priestly service is kind of a funny term, but when we understand Paul's background and his theology a little bit, we, we can kind of understand it a little bit more. A um, little bit of his background, if you read through Paul's writings, through his different letters, you begin to get a picture that he saw um, Jesus as our great high priest and that humans are made in the image of God and we're made to be um, like Jesus. But, you know, at the, in Genesis, humanity took a, a, a wrong turn and we became image bearers that were kind of broken and warped. And um, one of the roles of an image bearer at, at its best and at its highest um, vocation or, or, or purpose is, is a priestly role. One theologian said priests have the role of being an intermediary between God and people, someone who points to and makes recognizable the presence of God, uh, someone who makes the invisible God uh, visible to people, reflecting his love in a way people can say, wow, that's what God's like. See, an image bearer or human being has this priestly duty of finding and making visible the unseen or the unknown presence of God in our normal world. Now, when we talk about the presence of God, some people talk about that differently. It might mean to some people like pointing out the grace of God at work, the gifts of God at work, the spirit of God at work. But that amounts to, for Paul, seeing the presence of God at work in the world and being able to, to help others see it. And remember, Paul is talking to a community. He says brothers and sisters. 
So it's not just an individual thing about learning uh, to live a life that is with a priestly service where we um, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is also a community that's learning to live a life where together we're offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, before going to the next verse, I want to offer us an image that might be helpful for maybe even the rest of this this sermon. Um, And the image I want to talk about is that of cymatics. Cymatics is the science and art of making the invisible visible. It developed when people discovered materials like salt and sand or water and other substances responding to sound frequencies and tones. And these, let's say sand or salt, when a frequency would hit, these these uh, the salt pieces would start forming themselves into these collective beautiful shapes. And they, they discovered that different sound frequencies and sound waves cause the particles to form into various shapes of varying complex- and complexity. This attunement of sound waves to matter is incredibly beautiful. You can actually look it up on YouTube and watch it. There is a science to understanding why the reality of cymatics uh, exists, exists, but there's also a mystery to the particles of salt or sand or water dancing themselves into a larger shape together. This image of cymatics, if you'll hang with me here, it's, it's just so helpful and beautiful. The revealing of substance that's not seen, uh, making an inv- invisible sound visible um, through these waves and like energy and response. And it's just beautiful. And I think the church individuals and communities are like cymatics, attuning and conforming all the individual, you know, grains of sand or salt, all the individual people, learning to attune and conform to different shapes and complex, um, beautiful fractals, depending on what frequency they're attuned to. Now, picking up in verse two, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Don't be conformed. Cymatics teaches us that water, sand, other materials conform to different shapes depending on the frequency, remember? Humans form and conform to what they are attuned to as well, whether that's something beautiful and good, whether that's attuning ourselves to Christ or attuning ourselves to something darker, something lesser. Now, in this verse, um, I think it's really important to kind of see some some undertones of theology. I think Paul is is referring, when he's talking about the renewal of our minds, um, he's kind of he's kind of riffing on some notes that were in chapter one in the book of Romans. If we were to look at this, at this uh, in light of chapter one, you'd see there's a reversing of the curse of the of the darkened mind um, into a renewed mind of Christ, a spirit led mind, um, which has a, a a perspective that's different than someone who's attuned to something lesser than Christ. Romans 1, 21, 22 say they knew God, but they didn't honor Him as God. They didn't thank Him. So their thinking became worthless, their foolish hearts became dark, and they claimed to be wise, but they made fools of themselves. 
This is when humans begin attuning to darker things, um, start acting on those and forming shapes that are uh, lesser than human, uglier than what humans should be, and the conformity to the world rather than Christ begins to happen. The other thing that this talks about is instead of conforming to the world, conforming to the image of Christ, that we're wanting to be image bearers who begin looking more like him, humans who begin looking more like Jesus rather than less. And when we start doing this, we can start figuring figuring out what God's will is. Now, I don't think this is uh, emphasizing um, finding God's will as in like who you should date or marry, where we should move, um, where you should work, although those are important. I think the emphasis is that Paul is speaking more to God's will um, in general for humans, for image bearers again, both Jews and Gentiles, people from different backgrounds. Like humanity has this job, which is to reflect God's love and wisdom to their world. And so when we are attuned to Christ, we're attuned to the spirit of Jesus, all of a sudden our lives start to look and conform differently and almost can be much more countercultural to the forms that that a lot of people in the world are formed to. Now, in verse 3, Paul says, Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable or sober-minded, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. Be reasonable, sober-minded. Paul's like reminding people to be humble, like be humble human beings, be humble image bearers, be humble about your giftings. And not comparing your giftings with each other, but comparing yourself in relation to God's perfect image bearer, Jesus. We're not supposed to compare, you know, our gifts with this person or that person. That comparison leads to conflict or like not feeling worthy or enough. No, no. We're to we're to compare ourselves to Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus always is pulling us farther and further into becoming um more loving and caring and more human, but it's never with this condemning spirit. Now, when Paul mentions each having different portions of faith, I think it's important uh, to note that Paul isn't talking about saving faith in his uh, in this passage, like the faith that is uh, leads to salvation. He's talking more about gifts of faith that should be shared with each other. In fact, that's what this whole passage really gets at. So let's look at how this works out as one body together, the church. Verse four, we have many parts in one body. There's diversity in unity, but the parts don't all have the same function. We're different. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we belong to each other. I love that. Just If you have your Bible, underline that. Individually, we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. Notice that our, God's grace or his gifts have been given to us. So when we tune into Christ, that renewal of the mind, the church begins to conform to the image of Christ. We individually and collectively conform to the image, like the shape, the feel, the presence of Jesus. Imagine individuals so resonant with the frequency of Christ that each of our unique expressions combines together to make the invisible love of God visible, the love of Jesus embodied to real people in real time. See, Christ lived in a human body like our own, died on the cross 
for the redemption of humanity in a human body like our own. And then now he's raised in glory with God the Father. Gordon Fee notes something very important. And while, God, while Jesus is with God the Father, the same time his body, the church, still remains on earth. The incarnation is still present in the world. How? Gordon Fee writes this, Christ ministers here and now through us, his church. We are the visible expression, imperfect people for sure, but the church is the visible expression of Christ's love on the earth. No one of us can express the fullness of Jesus' love to the world all by ourselves. Only a community of different people reflecting different aspects of God's love can more fully express Christ's love to the world. Just as it takes a, all the spectrum of color to express light, so it takes a multicolored, diverse church to give more full expression to Jesus in the world. What does a mind attuned and conformed to the image of Christ look like in the flesh? Listen to this. It gets really practical. Here's what our gifts look like. Here's what serving looks like. Here's what the form and conformity to Christ looks like. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion with your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. Be generous. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. What gifts has God given you to give to the world? Every gift, every talent, every aspect of how God has woven you together, every bit of that is a gift from God. Sometimes the gifts can lie kind of latent under the surface, dormant. You know, like in winter, you don't, no one sees it. You don't even see it. You don't feel it. Or maybe there's a gift that's kind of gone wrong, been a little warped in your life. But when we, when we tune into Christ, when we give that to him, he uses those gifts to bless the world. A few things about gifts from this passage. Gifts are unique to each person. And Paul doesn't want us to be comparing our gifts to each other in a negative sense. But we, we have unique gifts, and every gift in every person is essential. And we often talk about the importance of essential beliefs. We can't forget um, the essential gifts that every person has in the church. Your gift isn't for you. It's for others. So don't be stingy. Sometimes we think our gifts are for us or people take, you know, gift assessments and strengths assessments. And sometimes it's almost, it's for us to know and feel good and feel special. And I, I understand that, totally understand that feeling. But our gifts haven't been given to us for us. Our gifts are given so that we can give them away. Giving our gifts is for mutual encouragement. When you give the gift of encouragement, someone gives their gift of mercy to you. Like you're mutually encouraged along your journey with Jesus. And the last thing I'll say is giving our gifts sparks joy in us and it sparks joy for God. God loves to see us be more like him in giving our gifts to others. And I hope you experience that joy yourself. So what gifts has God given you to give to the world? Are you giving your gifts away or holding on to them? Let's finish what Paul has to say about the gifts and how we exercise 
uh, serving each other through our gifts. Verse nine, love should be shown without pretending. Like don't pretend to love people, really love them. Goes on to say, hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. In this culture, this like Roman, Greco-Roman culture Paul lived in, people took honor and they built up honor by stepping on other people. Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the gospel Jesus way. We show, show honor. We give honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Because we're not just serving people. We're serving God too. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. I love, he says, love the insiders in your community, your your faith community, and love the outsiders that aren't yet in your community. Just love. Bless people who harass you. Bless them and don't curse them. That's kind of tough. Be happy with those who are happy. Cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal. And don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions or the evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. This is what a church that is being renewed in their mind, that is attuning themselves to Christ, begins to be shaped like. A church that serves each other in the world with its gifts reveals its inattunement with Christ. The renewal of the mind into the mind of Christ, it's revealed when we're loving and giving and serving each other and the world around us. A church community that is not serving each other and not serving the world reveals a disconnect, a lack of attunement with the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ. The shape of our lives and our life together reveals what we're really conformed to. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be conformed to Jesus, the image-bearing high priest who gave his life as a gift for the life of the world. Remember that cymatics image? I see the church that it's filled with latent energy, gifts, love coming alive when we attune and conform to the voice of Christ. I see a church wounded, wrongheaded, and sometimes even ugly when attuned and conformed to something lesser than Christ. When we're attuned, you see unity and diversity. When we're attuned, you see movement, life, joy. When we're attuned, you see a church filled with people giving their gifts, giving their lives to each other and to the world. When we're attuned to Christ, we make God's love visible and tangible. I'd like to leave you with a few questions for reflection. What gifts has God given you that others would affirm? How can you attune your mind and gifts more to Christ? And how can you make God's love visible and tangible to your world? Love you so much. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com. 
or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.